0: Good morning, good morning. It is Friday, the fifteenth of July, twenty twenty two. Praying for you this morning. Appreciate your prayers as well. Um, sweet uh sweet friend in the six one two area code. So looking at my cheat sheet, I don't have a six one two area code on my cheat sheet. That's the so. twin
2: cities. That's so oh, there, it is, there it is,
0: there it is. There it is. Yeah. That could be a uh nine five two seven six three six five one six one two seven one five. You guys are bananas up there. We got a okay. lot of people. Yeah, I know a lot of people, a lot of people. Okay, so friend in the Twin Cities who asked if we would pray with you and for you this morning, keep your family in prayers as you celebrate your dad's life. Yes, absolutely. Um, let's be doing that uh, right now. Father, we thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for the generations of which we are a part. We thank you so much. Um, for Anita and her family. We thank you for um, the faith legacy. We thank you for the gift of having a dad. And we thank you for the opportunity to celebrate um, his life before you this day. Um, May this be an opportunity to bear witness to the resurrection of your son, our Savior Jesus Christ, that other people might come to know him and desire um, to live with him in fellowship with you in the kingdom of heaven forever and ever grant this grace this day. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Um, love the opportunity to pray for you and love um, love that you are praying for me and for uh, those of us who labor at Faith Radio to bring the gospel to bear each and every hour of every single day um, and then extend the ministry to more and more people. So many of you are financial partners with this ministry, and I am so grateful for that. So thank you today for your prayers. Thank you, um, uh, for those of you uh, who are partners in this ministry financially, like uh, we have deepest gratitude. Um, so thankful to God for the way he is sharing uh, his resources with you, and then you're sharing those resources with us, and then we are extending the reach of this ministry to people around the world with the, with the hope of the gospel. So thank you for that. What a great delight. Uh, we got lots of resources available for you at MyFaithRadio.com. Don't miss out on those. Um, Hey, a few things going on in terms of the headlines. I want you to be ready for some of the more likely conversations of the day. Uh, Hey, the fact that inflation is bad, that is not a headline uh, or surprise to you, um, but it is bad. Um, And one of the indicators, the leading indicators of whether or not uh, inflation is going to continue to rise is rising rents. And so if you are a renter, you likely know that rents are rising. Um, and they're rising significantly. There is an article out today that the average rent in New York City, the average rent, average rent, keep those words in mind, uh, the average rent in New York City is now over $5,000 a month. Average monthly rent. Yeah, that is not a good indicator for uh, the what the future holds, uh, at least in the near term, for the cost of everything else. Also in the headlines today, the president of the United States is in the midst of a Middle East trip. And um, I think that the most important thing that has happened so far, by my judgment, um, is the – a step in the direction of normalizing relations between Israel and Saudi Arabia. So when the president actually flies from an airport in Israel to an airport in Saudi Arabia, that is actually historic. Um, All of this is an outgrowth of the Abraham Accords, which were signed during the Trump administration. Um, the uh, The Saudis have signed a peace agreement with Israel that's going to allow for direct flights, one country to the other, a transfer of a couple of strategic islands in the Red Sea, um, uh, and Egypt is a part of that conversation as well. This is all really huge. Don't miss that in the midst of the deluge of the news related to um, to this trip. And then another thing that um, at least some people are going to be talking about because they care about coffee and their access to it, Starbucks is closing 16 stores And all of those stores happen to be in blue or Democratic run cities across the country. And so the Starbucks CEO, you know, because there are people like foot stomping about that, um, you know, they want him to justify that. And so he said, well, um, they're not making money and they're not safe. So we're closing them. They're not profitable and they're not safe. And so we're closing them. Uh, And he said. Um, that it was time for America to wake up. This is actually a window into America, Schultz, who is the CEO of Starbucks, said, pointing out that the company has locations in every community. Um, and uh, and he says that our stores are now uh, being used in ways that they were not built for. And part of that conversation is that his stores are not designed to be places where um, people who do not have homes um, and and do not pay for the Internet, um, that, that Starbucks has become like a local lounge. And instead, you know, he's and, and those locations are obviously losing money. So anyway, it's a conversation about crime. It's a conversation about urban um, safety. Um, and it's a conversation about basic. Um, basic economics like right. Uh, uh, Starbucks is a for profit company. It's a it's a commercial enterprise and it has stockholders that it needs to satisfy. And so stores that become unprofitable and unsafe, they're going to disappear. Um, And maybe that will be a wake up call to people in um, in communities where uh, crime is on the rise across the country. So let's be uh, let's be engaged in those conversations today. Hey, Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families Plugged In is waiting in the wings. That's up next you're on Mornings with Carmen. From Focus on the Family's Plugged In, you can find the reviews we're discussing today and lots of other great stuff at PluggedIn.com. Adam, Pause of Fury, The Legend of Hank, yes or no?
1: Uh, Probably not. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> exactly. just go watch Kung Fu Panda again, honestly.
0: Yes. Or Hank um, the Cow which is not actually a movie but should be.
1: It should be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, This plot is so crazily... Uh, woven together. It would take me 10 minutes just to unpack the plot in a movie that essentially is uh, animated dogs and cats trying to get along or not get along. It's a world where cats rule and this dog Hank ends up as the mayor of a town. Uh, The cat who put him there expects him to fail, uh, but he doesn't. He turns into kind of a hero. Uh, It's got some nice things to say about uh, rejecting stereotypes and not judging people, you know, by you know, not judging a book by its cover, as the old saying goes. Uh, it's also got a lot of gas humor. Uh, if you've seen the trailer, you'll see that it's just potty humor from start to finish. And that may be in part because Mel Brooks, who is A, still alive, and B, 96 years old, plays one of the main characters. So it sort of feels like Blazing Saddles with cats and dogs without all the dirty bits. So there you go.
0: All right, and then where the crawdads sing?
1: Right, I desperately want to retitle this movie. I know what the crawdads did last summer, but they're not letting <laughs> me do that. Uh, this is based on the best-selling novel of 2022, uh, and it tells the story of Kaya, who has a horrible family life. Her dad is abusive. Eventually, her mother and some of her sibling, and her siblings all leave, and she's left with her dad in the marsh, I believe, in South Carolina. Uh, And then eventually her dad is out of the picture, too, and Kaya is left basically homeless as an orphan living in the swamp and making her way. Of course, in almost Disney style, she turns out to be a stunningly beautiful young woman who attracts a good guy and a bad guy, and things go south from there because there's a murder and she is potentially implicated. Did she do it? Did she not do it? If she did it, would we have done the same thing she did? I mean, it sort of builds that kind of sympathy. It feels like a John Grisham novel. Uh, It's not, but it definitely could be a a Grisham novel and movie. Uh, Quite a bit of sexuality, uh, borderline sexual assault, quite a bit of violence and language. Definitely pushes the boundaries for a PG-13 movie.
0: All right. Um, I want to talk with you about what's going on at Marvel. A couple of pieces yes. that you and I can look at. Ms. Marvel and Muslim viewers um, at the Associated yep. Press. And Marvel has issues with God over at Religion Unplugged. So can we do that next after a very brief uh, pause?
1: Absolutely. I would love to. All right. We're just going to gonna pause to.
0: the conversation here with Adam Holtz for just a moment. Next up, what um, what what issues does Marvel have with God? Yeah. Yeah. That's up next from Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at myfaithradio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So, Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen. All available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen.
2: Set free.
0: Okay, apparently I spoke too quickly earlier Hank the cow dog. Hank the cow dog. Uh, yeah, that would be the Hank I am encouraging people to go pay attention to. <laughs> all right, that's it. That's a little clean up on aisle four from earlier. People heard all right. kinds of things at the, at the end of that. So I just wanted to clean that up. All right, uh, okay. Marvel, remind us you know, who and what is Marvel and uh, what are they up to and what are their issues with God?
1: Well, Marvel is the biggest comic book company in the world. They have just put out I think their 25th or 26th movie since 2009 in a storyline that more or less connects if you watch them end to end. Um, that story is Thor Love and Thunder, and the core of it is built around a villain, a sympathetic villain named Gore, the God Butcher, who's played by Christian Bale. Gore prays that to his God, that his God would save his daughter from um she needs water they're out of water and his daughter dies of dehydration and shortly after that he finds his god at an oasis um, you know with as much water as he could possibly need and so (coughs) the core argument for gore the god butcher is that gods are capricious and self-serving that they don't listen to their followers and that they all deserve to die because of it and so it gets at the at the you know the age old idea of where is God when it hurts? where is God when they're suffering? If God is really good and sovereign, why doesn't he always answer his people's prayers to deliver them from that suffering now that is a philosophical question that is as old as time. Uh, what Marvel does here is it depicts um you know a lot of the pantheons of God, Zeus shows up, Hercules shows up. As you know, this sort of self-serving and narcissistic uh, cabal of super-powered deities who don't really give a rip about humanity. Now, the article um, that one of the articles you mentioned um, it sort of unpacks this idea that Marvel has been tending, trending in this increasingly negative, god-focused way, uh, and. I would take a step back and make a couple of observations. I would say, uh, for one, as you have conflict, you have to have bigger and bigger bad guys. You know, after Thanos destroys half of the living creatures in the universe, where do you go from there? You have to go, I think, in a godlike uh, direction to have bad guys that are big enough uh, for your story. So Marvel has kind of painted itself in a corner. Um, the other thing I would say is that in the 60s and 70s, we get all sorts of conflicting uh, ideas about God in the various comics. And so Marvel is not consistent at all. It doesn't really deal with Christianity very much. Um, and we can talk about Islam here in just a second. But um, so I think I think part of it reflects where we're at culturally. There is an antipathy to God, and part of it is just a, a structural issue of, they need bigger, bad guys uh, to make their stories work
0: all right, so when we talk about um, the reaction of Muslim viewers to Ms Marvel um, yes. what's what's going on there?
1: Well, Ms Marvel is a show on Disney plus right now. It features a young superhero who's a teenager, Kamala Khan or Kamala Khan i I'm, I'm forgive me if I'm butchering it. Um, I think it's Kamala Khan. Um, and she gradually learns over the course of this series that she has superpowers. I won't spoil the origin story of where they came from, other than to say that, that her female ancestors know something about this and are helping her uh, a little bit with it as well. But she comes from a devout and conservative, culturally conservative Muslim family that uh, is concerned about the same things that I think most Christians would say they're concerned about. They're concerned about their daughter in a crazy world with values that conflict with their own. They're concerned about modesty. Um, in a very unusual way, um, the depiction of these really devout Muslims has a lot of parallels with evangelical Christians. And so that, that's one discussion point. Uh, I think it's absolutely about the most sympathetic portrayal of Islam That you could possibly get and especially with a religion that historically Has treated women much 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 worse than christianity ever has. It's a little bit mystifying to me Why we're getting this sort of super sympathetic apologetic For women in islam when we know that the religion actually doesn't treat them as well as this show does um, and i'm I'm speaking in broad generalities, obviously uh, but it, uh It almost feels like a commercial for Islam in that respect. Yeah,
0: or a or a vision casting, like right, like here 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 is a way Islam could could might might possibly live into a better version um, of itself uh, in this regard. Okay, um, maybe one more thing um, because we don't have time for everything. Maybe one more thing. Um, Talk about Thor um, because it's a wildly popular movie and it's about gods, plural, small g. an Atheist Does a Movie About Gods.
1: Well, it gets back to what we were talking about before uh, Taika and again I may be mispronouncing his name Taika Watiti is the director <laughs> and he um he is pretty conflicted himself in terms of what he thinks about gods and their interaction with uh with humanity, but ultimately obviously he comes down on the atheist side, and I think that we sort of get an apology here for uh for atheism, you know we don't believe because gods seem capricious and mm-hmm. I, again, I think if you see this movie, there's actually tons of space to have a really robust conversation about God's character, and that the gods we see here are exactly what Taikawa says they are. But that is not the God that we love and serve and worship, um, and so I, I think that there are there are ways to have a good conversation, even though I think the worldview here is ultimately one that is you know leans in that atheist direction.
0: Yeah, I um I had a conversation uh, along with a young adult, and we talked about the character of God, big big G God, the character of God, right. and the false caricatures of God. And that yeah. was a that was a good way to frame um, the conversation um, with that particular individual. So that's super helpful. All right, Adam, as always, um, thank you so much. What a delight. You guys can find tons more resources for you at the intersection of media and faith at plugged in dot com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. And this is Faith Radio. Okay, it's Friday and so we have the Friday Farm Report. Several people have asked, how did the chicken break her leg? Okay, the short answer here is the chicken did not break her leg. She um was uh she had the unfortunate or the misfortune of being um underfoot when a 16-year-old boy carrying a 50-pound bag of chicken food um broke her leg. <clears throat> So Shaira, oh, by the way, that is her name. Her name is Shaira. She is a beloved Easter egger. She is three years old. Um, and for the record, uh, there's only one local vet who treats chickens, and that veterinarian is currently on vo- on vacation. And so Shaira is uh, hopping around on one foot, um, and she has become very vocal. I mean, she is now an incredibly vocal chicken. So there you go. Um In other news, we have just integrated the 13 chicks into the big coop. Now, when you integrate a new group of chickens with an established group of chickens, you um, inevitably will experience the establishment of a pegging order. Like, that is what happens. It is real. It totally happens. It takes them some time. It's very unpleasant. And in the midst of it, I was really concerned that Shaira, who is obviously very vulnerable, um, would find herself uh, pecked on, picked on, by these 13 new inhabitants of the coop. And um, that's not what happened. I I found it very fascinating. Uh, They have not messed with Shaira, um, who is clearly crippled and seems very vulnerable compared to everybody else. Um, Pecking order aside... Shaira and everybody else is doing well. Um, We did resegregate three of the large older hens out of the big coop because, frankly, they were pecking a little more than necessary, it seemed to us. And so three of our hens are now in the small coop and all of the other chickens are together in the big coop. And hopefully they will all live happily ever after. That is the Friday Farm Report here on Faith Radio, at least the one from my house. All right, next up, Juliana Gobel, author of A Love Stretched Life. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Do you feel like um, your life is stretched or a little bit messy and you've been wondering wondering to yourself, you know, is this what it's supposed to be like? Is this what it's supposed to feel like? Am I supposed to be more put together than this? Well, if I got a treat for you, Jelana Goble is the author of A Love Stretched Life. She is, um, she is a wife. She is the mother of five children, raging in age now from preteen to young adult. She has a messy life just like ours. Jelana, welcome to Mornings with Carmen.
2: Thank you so much, Carmen. I'm really happy to be with you. Well, we're thrilled to be talking with you. Why don't we just start with this? Tell us a little
0: bit about your love stretched life.
2: Oh, you're starting with like the million dollar question right from the beginning. (laughs) I love it. Um, So my family and I live in Portland, Oregon. As you said, I have five children who call me mom. I think what's interesting about my story is that my, our oldest, I refer to as the son of my heart because we fostered him when he was uh, six years old for one year. And then through a series of circumstances, lost touch with him and then just reconnected with him six years ago as a 19-year-old young man. So that has been a huge part of my story is is wrestling with like what does it mean to become family after really a lifetime apart. Yet he's still young and we've kind of reclaimed one another as family. And so it's been an opportunity for me to just kind of have an up close and personal view of what young adults go through that have bounced around in a very overwhelmed foster care system. So he's my oldest, the son of my heart, Royal. Um, I have two biological daughters who are 17 and 15, and I have two boys not related to one another that we fostered and then later adopted. And with my 13 year old, um, I'm really close with his first mom, Jennifer, we have gone through a wild and woolly journey with lots of ups and downs in the last 13 years, but, um. She's she's a huge part of my love stretched life. And we have the opportunity to co-speak to state caseworkers and prospective foster parents, sharing our collective story of unlikely collaboration um, from a foster parent turned adoptive parent. So uh that's that's my family life in a nutshell. Amazing. Um, So
0: it's messy, right? I mean, it doesn't just, you know, everybody's shoes are not all lined up and everybody doesn't put them on at the right moment and sit down at the table together and live peaceably, right? I mean, it's, it's a mess. I mean, if it's like mine, it's a mess.
2: It is, it is. And you know, I think that so much of a love stretch life is really trying to share the perspective, honestly, Carmen, from the messy middle, because I think it's Mm -hmm. really palatable to share about hard things, hard things, some hard things are seasonal. Other hard things are just hard things where it doesn't Mm. seem like it's, it's seasonal. And especially, you know, that can be, um, that can be any part of any family's journey. And also I know it's part of many foster and adoptive families journeys, just the extra messiness. So a love stretch life is really trying to share vulnerably from the very middle. I talk about walking a suspension bridge between hope In reality. And really a love stretch life is kind of stories from the middle where I'm wanting to hold on to hope. Um, and it looks very blurry in the moment.
0: So I recently hiked with some girlfriends across, um, it's called Tallulah Gorge and it's in Northeast Georgia. And you have to climb down 367 steps on one side to the suspension bridge. And then you, you know, that once you get across the suspension bridge, you've got another 300 and some steps climb back up, but it's mm-hmm. worth the climb because when you stand in the middle of the suspension bridge, it's the only place on the whole journey that you can see the rainbow that there every single day.
2: Oh my gosh.
0: But you have to get to the middle of the suspension bridge and turn around and look through the mist of the raging water, and there's the rainbow every single day.
2: Wow. And I what thought a about that when see. I.
0: Well, when you shared this about the suspension bridge and getting to the middle and talking, you know, speaking from that vantage point, like that's where my heart goes and my experience goes because it's a climb. It's a climb both directions. It's a it's a commitment climb down and it's a commitment climb um, of difficulty back up. And both are a little bit scary. And you kind of wonder on some days whether or not you're going to make it. But But by God's grace and because you have this overwhelming love for, for these kids um, and your family and the way God has put your family together, somehow it all works. So, Jelena, I would like to talk with you about um, the foster care system and things that we as Christians need to know about the foster care system in America. What would you have us know? Um, and then maybe speak to foster families, those who are already in um, the foster care um, process and those who might be considering it.
2: Um, there's so much to say about foster care. I think what immediately comes to mind is that, you know, in our communities all across the United States, there is a very depressing math equation, um, in play. And that is too many children and too few, um, homes that are willing to be safe temporary foster homes while these kids' parents are in a place of acute struggle and usually those, that struggle has to do with untreated mental illness, substance abuse, domestic violence, incarceration. but we have to remember that kids don't end up in foster care for no reason. Um, they they' they're you know so trauma becomes a part of that child's story and the way that that plays out can can vary from situation to situation. I would um, definitely share that while there is an acute need for more foster parents, this does not necessarily mean that everyone is called or should be a foster parent. I really like to encourage people to just know who is fostering in your churches, who is fostering in mm-hmm. your neighborhood, who is fostering in your community, and to start with wrapping support around that Uh, family. I think sometimes families can feel like, gosh, well, I signed up for this. I'm the one who raised my hand to be a foster parent. So if the going gets tough, I just need to like buck up and deal with it. And I think that we have so many opportunities in foster and adoptive parenting to kind of shed the myth of complete self-sufficiency and and be able to say, "Um, I need, you know, I can use people coming around me. I, I really could use help. I think for foster families that are in the midst of it, I think the the notion of you know the I get it factor with other foster families is so um, easy when you don't have to explain kind of that common denominator of what some of the things you know look like um, underneath the roof of your household. And I also would encourage folks that are just beginning their foster journey to not discount people that are not fostering. I think sometimes foster parents can tend to be very insular and just kind of surround themselves with other people who are fostering. And in some ways, that's really beautiful to be around other people who just naturally get it. And also, I would encourage as much as you have emotional capacity for to just kind of cast your net a little wider of who you're willing to invite in, um, because oftentimes, it's not other foster families that can offer tangible support. Um, other foster families can, can lend an emotional, like I get it listening ear, but it's really other families that sometimes have a higher capacity to really show up with, um, you know, tangible things in, in times of mm-hmm. trial. So I, those are just some initial thoughts. I feel like this could be a very long conversation about foster care mm-hmm. and what foster families need, but that's the first that comes to mind.
0: So helpful. We're talking with Jelana Goble. The book is A Love Stretched Life. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge. This is Faith Radio, and we'll be right back. Thanks so much for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Hey, I'm Suzy Larson. Hey,
2: if you enjoy what you're listening to here, would you consider subscribing to other great Faith Radio podcasts like mine? Search Suzy Larson Live at MyFaithRadio.com
0: or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit subscribe and have a great day. Continuing our conversation with Jelana Gobel, she is the author of A Love Stretched Life. And yes, we do have some copies to give away today. So if this is of interest to you and you want to know more, not only about Jelana's Love Stretched Life, but um, maybe have some resourcing in terms of foster care and adoption, it's all in here. Um, You can text the word book to 877-933-2484. Um, Jelena, one of the extraordinary things about you is the statewide movement that you're a part of, Every Child Oregon. Um, So this goes, this extends beyond just your care and concern for those whom God has brought into your household. You really do have a concern for every child, and I want to give you an opportunity to talk a little about that.
2: Uh, Carmen, over a decade ago, I witnessed children walking into a child welfare office, and I just asked the caseworker what happens when they've been removed from their home for whatever reason and are sitting in a government child welfare office in this most vulnerable time of waiting. And she just painted this picture of scrambling each and every time. And I just thought, oh my gosh, How many children are we talking about? How many offices? And I actually took that uh, back to my faith community, Imago Day, and they. Uh, participate in something called Advent Conspiracy, where we celebrate Christmas differently and take a portion of the money that we would have spent on Christmas gifts and give it towards local initiatives. And so I was really privileged to start something called Welcome Boxes and have the seed money from Advent Conspiracy to kind of help get that started. And um, basically there were boxes Given to children in this vulnerable time of waiting, the lid of the box has an affirmation on it. And it was really through the humble catalyst of a box, Carmen, that I really do believe the community started thinking outside the box. And it was really through, you know, welcome boxes kind of coming into the community that people began to say, What else can I do to help? Why are there children Mm. from my neighborhood waiting in a government office down the road for a foster family? And again, not everyone is supposed to be a foster family, but I do believe that the options have to be more than just, well, become a foster parent do nothing. So really every child is striving to occupy this middle lane, kind of like the suspension bridge. You were talking about Carmen before it's like, Hey, most people, you know, might not ever reach this side of the bridge, but like, what are the ways that people can engage right where they're at in a sustainable, creative way with what they have to give. And so that's really the heartbeat of every child. Um, and yeah, it started with, with a box. And it is spread from there. And there's many different things we do, um, but really it's all trying to occupy uh, that middle, that middle ground while still shining a very clear spotlight that we do need more foster and adoptive parents. But we want people who are equipped and going in with their eyes wide open as much as possible. A Love Stretched Life is the book, stories on
0: wrangling hope, embracing the unexpected, and discovering the meaning of family. We are giving away copies today. If you want to enter um, the drawing for those, the number is, you text the word book, remember this, you text the word book to 877-933-2484. I'm wondering if maybe you'll describe the person for whom you wrote love stretched life? Because I'm thinking that there's an audience in mind.
2: You know, I think a very natural audience is people who um, are foster and adoptive parents. I, anyone who's walked alongside somebody coming from a hard place, I think you can go up from there and say the audience is for those who've engaged parenthood. But my hope mm-hmm. for a love stretched life, Carmen, is that it really would be for anyone who has experienced a gap between what they thought something would be like and it's lived reality. I think Mm. that can be very true of us in parenting, where we just kind of conjure up an image of what family is going to be like. And we might not even be aware enough to even know what that image is until there comes a time where you're looking around and going, I'm not quite sure that what is happening in this moment under the roof of my home is it? And then having to rumble with joy and grief and everything in between as we strive to love and love well. So I would say that a love stretch life is for anyone that can relate, whether it's parenthood or something else to that gap and how we continue to look for God and try to love and love well in the midst of that gap.
0: Talk with us a little bit about, um, you know loving someone who has had a different life experience than maybe you had um who comes from a different social location i think when we think about diversity in the culture we don't often think about hey generation to generation there are some <laughs> mammoth differences as well you've now mm-hmm. parented a number of kids um who you know they're different from each other and they're different from the rest of us um have 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 you learned something about differences Um, through the way God has knit your family together.
2: Absolutely. I think the first person that comes to mind is my uh, 13 year old adopted son's beautiful mom, Jennifer, who has Mm. given permission for me to write about our relationship um, in a love stretch life. I would say, Carmen, she has been one of my life's greatest teachers. And I think it's very easy when, when she and I co-speak together for people to say, oh my gosh, Jelana, like, look what you have done for her. And I just so quickly want to flip that on its head and say, look at what she's done for me, because there has been a transformation I am not the same person that I would have been had Jennifer not become a cherished part of our extended family. And part of that is just realizing that though we're six years apart in age, we have lived a lifetime of different experiences. And I think while it's easy to judge on the outside, you know, having her child be in foster care um, with us, uh, you know, it's it's easy to kind of like look at things in very black or white or point fingers, but then just really having the opportunity to engage and get to know her story, I just felt so um, impacted that gosh, had I lived her life, there's a darn good chance I might be standing where she now stood, and she has taught me so much. The second example, Carmen, that comes to mind is that I am raising a child with a significant brain-based disability. It's an invisible disability. It's called fetal alcohol syndrome. When we got the call from the hospital asking us if we could pick up a newborn just for quote 48 hours, to which I was like, oh, no, no sweat. You can do anything for 48 hours. Um, We just had no idea how this would impact our lives. And he is now our, uh, we had the privilege of adopting him. He's, uh, He's 10. And that has been a significant part of, you know, loving someone with a different life experience. It's not just their growing up life experience, but I think parenting someone um, that has a brain-based disability that the world can so easily look at and judge and quite honestly not be kind to because we kind of judge things on the surface um, and we can't, you know, peer open somebody's head and see how their brain has been impacted from in utero substance exposure. That has had a profound effect on my life because I feel like I never would have said before that I was a judgmental person, even internally, probably wouldn't have admitted that even to myself. But there are, there were times when I would see, you know, a child having a meltdown and go, oh gosh, and think internally if a child is doing that in public, if they're X, Y, and Z, I mean, all these unsavory behaviors and saying terrible things, imagine how they're treated or talked to at home. And Carmen, that child is now my child. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I know what we have poured into Mm -hmm. him so much like love Mm -hmm. and light and goodness from the beginning, but just Mm -hmm. recognizing that there is no formula, that the right Mm -hmm. amount of love and nurture and discipline and structure plus Jesus does not automatically mean clean slate. And while I rejoice with families who have an easy path there, I mean, I don't want to at all attempt to say like every family, it's, it's so challenging, but certainly in my family, this has been a game changer. Mm -hmm. Um, but it has transformed me in loving, you know, someone with a very different life experience. And I'm grateful to have the privilege of being his mom, even though it's really hard. It, it is, and
0: I appreciate that, um, and I love that part of of your story and the way you um, share it so transparently with us. Um, if your family um, maybe has a child with a past trauma or a brain difference, maybe your, God has grown your family through foster care or adoption, or you're thinking about that, or you want to come alongside um, a family like that. This is a great book. Um, it's so transparent. Jelana is a great storyteller. Um, and it, this is a rich opportunity to get to know her, her family. And then through her, um, the way that each and every one of us can, you know, respond when life gets messy. Like just because it's not what you expected doesn't mean it's not exactly what God intends. The book is A Love Stretched Life. We are giving away copies today. Text the word book to eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. 933 Jelana, um, thank you so much for joining us today. Carmen, thanks so much for having me. What a delight. More in just a moment here on Mornings with Carmen. This is amazing this is okay, so apparently I said it too fast, um, so I'm going to slow down and say it again. Tallulah Gorge. Tallulah Gorge. For those of you wondering, where is the suspension bridge over uh, over the Hurricane Falls that she's talking about? Tallulah Gorge State Park in northeast Georgia. There you go. 15 miles of hiking trails. Uh, one of them is called Hurricane Falls Trail. And that is the one where you find the suspension bridge where once you get halfway across and you turn back you see this perpetual rainbow. It's it's pretty stunning. Um also, also the place where uh there's this uh there's this hike called Sliding Rock. Um but let me just tell you, don't do that one. <clears throat> Sliding Rock is like a serious that that's a name of a of of a hike for a reason. Oh, there you go. That's a little wisdom, a little local wisdom for you today. Where are you hiking? Where in the world are you headed this weekend? Paul Perot, our very faithful producer, is headed out for a much deserved vacation. Paul, where are you going? Going to the north shore of Lake Superior in the Arrowhead of Minnesota. It is gorgeous. We uh we love you. We hope you have a very restful. Well, thank you wonderful um, week. Rest is our theme for the month of July. So I hope you are getting some rest in the Lord, maybe some time away somewhere for God to uh, renew you. Have a great weekend and God bless. Oh, do I have a whole minute? Yeah, you have a whole minute. Oh my goodness. I have a whole minute. No, no God bless yet. All right, let's get back to it here. All right. So I mean, you know, let me hold off on my God bless here for just a moment because I do have one more thing to talk about. Uh, It's in my notes for today. And it's related to school. Um, I know it's the middle of the summer, but a lot of people um, are making their plans for the fall. And there's a lot of families who are now exploring um, other options other than public education. And some of that has been freed up by a decision by the Supreme Court to make sure that money follows kids um, wherever their parents want those kids to go to school and however they want them to be educated. And so um, there may be families in your community, in your church, in your neighborhood who are exploring homeschooling. They're exploring sending their kid to a private school, to a church-related school, to a classical school. Let me encourage you to be supporting them in those efforts um, let's be supporting families as they make those critical decisions about the education of the next generation. Now, have a great weekend. And God thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.